0: Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine runner. off. We have a liftoff. Hey, space enthusiasts. This is our second conversation with a crew member of the Dear Moon project. Just as a reminder, Dear Moon will be a circumlunar starship mission, so this is an Apollo 8 style mission, to which Japanese entrepreneur Yusako Mezawa or MZ as he's known, has invited eight artists to join him. One of those lucky eight is the photographer, filmmaker, and whale swimming guide, Karim Ilya. We talk about his expectations and objectives for the mission. Enjoy! Again, as a reminder, we already had his crewmate, documentary filmmaker Brandon Hall, on the podcast, and that episode was released in December. Check it out too, it's worth it. My name is Raphael Rodkin and I'm an investor and advisor to space companies. Just as a reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing should be taken as investment advice. This podcast is sponsored by NanoAvionics, a satellite manufacturer and mission integrator. Their technologies enable many space companies worldwide to offer services that improve life right here on Earth, such as providing global connectivity, conducting Earth observation, or contributing to scientific discoveries. Check them out and also check out my episode with the CEO and co-founder. Sadly, I am not a rocket scientist, but I am an alumnus of the International Space University. ISU offers a number of educational programs about space worldwide. Check them out at isunet.edu. And just some final things before we start the episode about ourselves. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple or Spotify. If you want us help expand our work, you can do so and support us at www.patreon.com forward slash space business podcast. And we'll also put that link in the episode notes. And lastly, you can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore space. Hey, Space Enthusiasts, it's time for another episode of the Space Business Podcast, and I'm really excited today. It's our second episode with a crew member of the Dear Moon Project. And just in case you're actually living under some sort of space rock and haven't heard of Dear Moon, or you have not yet listened to our first Dear Moon episode, Dear Moon is a project financed by a Japanese entrepreneur, Yusako Mezawa. He's an internet entrepreneur, and he's basically taking eight artists on a circumlunar mission on Starship sometime in the next few years. And the crew was just recently announced the beginning of December. We had our episode with Brandon Hall, which I'll also encourage you to look up. And today's our honor to have the second Dear Moon crew member, Karim Ilya. Welcome, Karim. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. And Kareem, before we kind of delve into Dear Moon questions, um, I was quickly glancing over your bio again. And your bio says you are based in Hawaii and Iceland. So sounds to me like maybe you like volcanoes. Yes, I do. I love volcanoes. Actually, I came out to Iceland
1: and ended up extending my stay until I lived here for the volcano. I came out here last year when Fagradalsfjall started erupting. Uh, I basically mm-hmm. booked a flight and got here as quick as I could to photograph it and my family is in Hawaii and so I'm split between Mm -hmm. the two countries and um, while they are very different they're also very similar but I I'm I would say maybe obsessed
0: with volcanoes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I guess both Hawaii and Iceland they are very you know special places in, in in many ways nature wise geology wise on Earth, is that then kind of, you know, segueing to the moon? Is that something that got you fascinated about the moon as a location as well?
1: Yeah, I've always been interested in space and um, mm. particularly the moon. And I think about how for millions of years, every every person from when before we were even humans has looked up at the moon and probably wondered about it. It's been our companion since the beginning. And so I've often looked up at it and and thought, it's it's so close to us when will we go back and um to to think that now I, that i'll have the opportunity to go and fly around the moon and see the perspective of our planet from the moon is it's such a crazy thought that i haven't even been able to process yet mm-hmm. and i hope that i can photograph that well and share that with everybody back
0: here on earth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what do you think you may find most fascinated about the moon is it sort of the moon itself and maybe some of the geological features. Is it that aspect that you mentioned of, you know, seeing the earth rise like the Apollo astronauts did? Is it maybe even before you go to the moon on earth that you may go back and study some of the, like you mentioned, the many cultural references that exist of the moon? Uh, there, I mean, there's so many aspects about it. Um,
1: as a photographer, I'm very interested in the the visual perspective of seeing our whole planet all together. Uh, I've spent much of my life trying to document the different pieces of our planet, underwater, volcanoes, different cultures, people, uh, ecosystems. And so the ultimate dream is to be able to, to get out of the planet and see the whole thing and get a perspective of the whole place. And of course, the moon is such an integral part of our planet. It has such an effect Mm -hmm. on all life on Earth, from people to animals to the tides. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, So much of nature is governed by the moon. And so it really... While it is almost a foreign object because it is so far away, it really is a part of this planet. It is our moon. And so I've been very interested in this whole planet as well as the moon. And to be
0: able to to see the two together is an unbelievable dream. Mm -hmm. You mentioned you've always been interested in space. How, How did that come about and what were some of the aspects of space that you found fascinating?
1: there was um a slow progression from childhood with some mm-hmm. moments that got me really interested in in space and one pivotal moment i i had i took a university course uh, with a, a professor Aparna Venkatesen, in in San Francisco and mm-hmm. uh, it was there's two courses i took with her um uh, general astronomy and then planetary astronomy and so mm-hmm. learning about the different planets and moons In our solar system, you start to hear about these places like Io, the first moon Mm -hmm. of Jupiter, which is the most volcanically active place. So Mm -hmm. I then start dreaming about what it would be like to stand next to a volcano on the moon of Jupiter and look up at Jupiter in the night sky. Uh, I think about what it would be like to to go around Saturn's rings. What would it be like if our moon had turned into rings instead of a moon? You know, Mm -hmm. I, I often then started thinking about our place in our galaxy our our view in the galaxy you know Mm because we are in the disk of the milky way so i think of it like a plate and we are inside the plate then i start to wonder what would that view look like if we were somewhere on the on the edge of the milky way or above or below the milky way like how Mm -hmm. would our view change and and what do different parts of space look like and it's a place that you can your imagination can run forever and ever and um this is you know just getting off planet seeing the moon up close seeing the planet seems like the first step for humans to move towards exploring more of our universe and hopefully that also gives us a better appreciation of what we have back here on earth because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of hostile places in space and a lot of planets and moons that are not very nice places to uh, Mm -hmm. live let alone visit with our our fragile bodies and so if, if that can help us also gain a better appreciation of what we have here on Earth, I I think that that would be um, very important for our
0: species and us Mm. as people. Agreed. I forget now who said it, but some somebody, maybe I've been of the astronauts once said, yeah, space is basically trying to kill you in every, every imaginable way possible. <laughs> so yeah, it does make you appreciate that this is a very special place where, where we currently live. But it sounds almost like, you know, if all goes well with humanity's quest for space, like dear moon, it may only be a first step for you. And maybe, you know, if you have the chance to go to fascinating places, like well, Io has a lot of radiation, but, you know, uh, Europa, which is the uh, Jupiter moon with the giant under ice ocean or Enceladus with the ice volcanoes, You'd probably happily go from the sense of it. I would love to.
1: And I think about if there are different time periods that I would like to be born in. And um, definitely where we are right now in life is an incredible time period. But if I had to pick another one, uh, I would think... I would love to go far in the future if if this is something that happens where you can casually go and visit other planets, other moons in the same way that now people can casually go to Europe or go to North America on holiday mm-hmm. to be able to to explore these places would would be so interesting. And, um, you know, I, I hope that we can do that while also um, preserving and protecting our planet. I, I don't think that going to space means that we're giving up on our planet, I -hmm. I, I think that it can help us appreciate it more and see what is out there in the same way that when you travel to
0: other places,
1: you come back and
0: you appreciate home more. Mm, Yeah, no, understood. But that's actually, mm, it's usually a question I would have asked a little bit um, further on, on, but let's go there. So, but if you think about the moon and the, the future that humanity might build on the moon, and hopefully a mission like yours is, you know, part of the steps we're currently taking and other steps, of course, the NASA Artemis missions that we will establish a more permanent presence on the moon, right? It can take many forms. And then there's obviously you know lots of science uh, science fiction works we can also consult that had various visions of what uh, settlement on the moon would uh, may look like you know uh, recent movies or the Expanse TV series or the like. So, but if I take you know one of the places where you live, Hawaii as an example, do you would you prefer the moon to be? Um, the future moon to be rather a sort of you know big island uh the national park there or honolulu or, or both oh
1: what what a great question uh i think definitely the route of a national park uh, nature preservation um where where people can go and experience being out in nature which is a crazy thought to think about going hiking on the moon but mm-hmm. it, it would be incredible of course you would need to have some kind of hub and it It is a big place. And, um, you know, I haven't thought deeply about the how you would build and expand and all of the potential issues that might arise from that in terms of preservation in terms of uh, you know culture light pollution all there's so many things to think about that that's mm-hmm. a great topic to explore and yeah i hope that i hope that um I will be able to one day stand on the moon um, and I hope that more people in the future will be able to do that as well it would be really incredible to see uh, I think the more that people, sea of our world and I guess space, um, the more we can understand each other be better connected mm-hmm. i think travel is travel is is good for people um of course there are the environmental implications of, of space travel and movement but hopefully that's something we can also solve uh through through technology and through being a bit more conscious about our place
0: in this whole planet and world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it sounds from from everything we've talked about so far that when the the initial call came along from the, for the moon and you saw it of course you applied right it seems like something That you would naturally do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I
1: I actually had long ago, I I told a good friend of mine, I, I said that one day I would take a photo of our Earth from the perspective of the moon, because that really is the it seems like the ultimate feasible goal that you could hope for in your lifetime as a photographer. Mm-hmm. You know, photography, there's incredible places on Earth that I still have yet to go to. Um, and I will never be able to see all, all of these places and photograph all of them. But the ultimate goal of what is potentially possible is to to photograph the Earth from the moon. And uh, I didn't really think that I would be able to do it. And so when 10 years later or so, she sent me a link and she said, "Here's your here's your opportunity. <laughs> and so I applied to it. And of course, I thought, well, yeah, me and everyone else. There's so many talented people here. And um, somehow I made it through each of the Steps and uh, was selected, and that was an incredible feeling.
0: For the initial step, which I believe was a short video, did you immediately know what you would talk about in your introductory video?
1: Yeah. So there was um, there was also some writing that we did
0: before mm-hmm. that got us to the the video step.
1: And um, for the for the video, I mean, I thought I'm a filmmaker, so I should make a film. I should do it in the style that I would make a film. You know, with mm-hmm. the sound design and use good quality footage. But I also wanted to make something that didn't feel disconnected, that was a little bit personal. So I, I it was a very short period of time. And I thought about the idea. I would introduce myself, uh, you know, with just a, with a selfie, with a GoPro as a selfie, and then mm-hmm. dive into the ocean. And then I transitioned that into a shot of a diver going into the ocean and um. And then different, different scenery, and and that moved me into the video to get a little bit of that, you know, kind of personal, intimate. I'm a real person, and not just to produce mm-hmm. video, but then to to show and and record me discussing my thoughts and what I do and who I am and how I feel um, in a very short span of time, which was one minute. Put it into a video, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess they liked I guess they liked the video because I then made it to the next step.
0: And so you mentioned diving into the water. You are doing a lot of underwater uh, photography in Filmography as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so of course, you're so already familiar with you know doing your your uh, photos and, and and movies, not only on Earth but also in the water, so in different environments. But now you're going to be yet in another environment, which is going to be the the microgravity environment. Have you thought about how may how that may you know make you adjust the way you're going about
1: it? Yeah, I th- I'm very interested in in the microgravity and floating around in space. Um, it's something that I've thought a lot about and I do a lot of free diving and scuba diving. And so mm-hmm. I, I, while I don't want to be overly confident and say, you know, that I should be fine floating around, I do feel in some sense, quite comfortable being in a, a three dimensional space where I can go mm-hmm. in any direction. And when I'm free diving, if I need to, I can let go of my camera and it will just hover there in front of me and I can mm. do something, adjust something and then dive down further go to the side. So that feeling of of weightlessness, at least the closest thing we can experience reasonably on Earth, I'm I'm quite comfortable in that environment. So I'm very excited to see how that translates to being up in space and photographing and maneuvering. Of course mm-hmm. I think about there isn't the viscosity to be able to push myself through the yeah. in the water. Yeah. When you're when you're in the water you can just you can move your arms, you can move your legs and you'll you'll yeah. go in a direction. Uh, but in in microgravity, I think that would be very interesting to have to basically push yourself off of surfaces to get to the next surface.
0: Yeah, you're right, I haven't thought about it, but it is, there's actually a lot of similarities, aren't there? Also, like, you know, um, I'm a scuba diver as well, right? And so one of the things they hammer into you, as you know, very early is sort of like, stop flailing with your arms, they're useless, just use your fins, right? And then in space, I guess it's the inverse, you're going to use your arms to kind of get around, and for most people, the legs are the legs are, uh, legs are useless. And I guess it's even, I mean, famous last words, maybe it's even a little bit easier than the diving part because you don't have any, like, nasty currents which suddenly come up and, like, sweep you away.
1: <laughs> yeah, and if you're inside the rocket ship, you don't have to worry about breathing. Uh, you don't have yeah. to worry about your your equipment. You don't have to, you know, you don't have all of the bulkiness. I think it will be quite interesting. I do intend to get myself stuck for a moment, you know, without mm-hmm. just floating in one spot and then see how, how much effort does it take with just air resistance to get myself mm-hmm. back over to mm-hmm. a wall. And I think that that'll be exciting and interesting to see. Can I just, you know, blow air, uh, wave my arms around? Like is it how how do you get yourself back to back to Mm -hmm. a wall?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure you guys are gonna get ample training. I mean you guys are certainly going to do the zero G flights on Earth and all of that. I'm gonna be Mm amply trained in trained in that. Um, in terms of equipment, are you envisioning sort of using the same equipment you're using right now? I guess the Apollo guys famously famously used was it Hasselblads? Yeah, yeah, they did.
1: I hope that I can bring a variety of equipment up there. I, I do both photo and video. I would love to <laughs> shoot film and bring some Hasselblad cameras up there as well, um, as well as just my my regular digital setup or, or whatever is the the current newest model that will do the best um, at the time. And um, yeah, I think it's a important to to continue to photograph in the way that i'm most dialed in comfortable mm-hmm. and able to work in in changing scenarios different light um but yeah i would like to bring i would like to bring it a variety of equipment up there so that i can shoot some telephoto shots and get some you know close-ups from from space as well as some wide angle to get the the, the whole scenario I, Part of what's exciting about this is also it's it's documenting out the window, but also mm-hmm. documenting from inside. Inside getting an, the spacecraft, mm-hmm. yeah. getting an inside look at this whole process, the the training, the um, you know the other crew members, and trying to capture that emotion as well, so that people can can connect to those images and and this this trip and these moments. I want to be able to try and have people feel in a way that they are. Up there as well uh, and mm-hmm. that is a very difficult thing to achieve but
0: i will try my best mm-hmm. and we haven't really spoken much about your sort of current terrestrial work and your history there can you just give us sort of you know summary of you know what what most of your work um, what the philosophy behind it is what you're focusing on sort of if there is sort of a connecting thread what that threat would be and then how you would envision extending that if that is what you're envisioning to, to space? Yeah, I photograph a huge variety of things. And when
1: I was a kid and I first started taking pictures, I remember many people would tell me that I had to pick one thing and focus on one thing, you know, specialize in one thing. And I wasn't mm. very interested in that because there are so many beautiful things on this planet. There are whales that swim and interact and fight and give birth mm-hmm. and socialize um, with their calves. There's volcanoes. There's Northern Lights, there's people in different cultures that are doing interesting things. I also like to document the daily life around me of people and to show that, you know, the daily life of somebody who works in an office in Japan is very different than the daily life of a a fisherman or person who lives on a small island in the South Pacific. Mm. And these things are very interesting for other cultures, for people to look at what what is happening on the other side of the world. There's so many Mm -hmm. incredible men and women and animals and plants. And so much of my work has been to basically try and document this moment in time on our planet Mm -hmm. and all of the nature around it so that I can try and show a picture of how it all fits together, how the ecosystems and the people and the culture and society all work together. And so going up into space, if I can expand on that, and you... Use that as an opportunity to tell the full picture and connect the dots. That's the that's the goal is to mm-hmm. capture a snapshot of life on earth in all forms and to inspire people and show people the beauty of this planet. I, I spend a lot of my uh, effort and time doing, trying to do conservation through photography. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's many different ways to do that. Uh, For me, I try and show the beauty of animals to show that there's, they're multidimensional, that they have personalities and lives and that, you know, a bug, a small bug that lives somewhere is just as important as a giant blue whale or as Mm -hmm. a person. like We are all in this together and we all deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. And if I can show people that these landscapes and these places are worth protecting, then hopefully we can put a little bit more pressure on our politicians, our corporations, uh, the people who are making the decisions about this world uh, in order to try and help preserve this place and, and make it a little bit better than than when we got here so that future generations can enjoy that and that of course gets into you know a deep topic about what we're doing here um but that's that mm-hmm. is the, the the goal of my work is to to document our planet in the hopes that we can protect it preserve it and make it better than when when I got here.
0: And I mean, to some extent, you know, if, if all goes well, you're, you're entering a really sort of a tradition of photographs here that have really changed humanity's, I think, perception in, in that sort of more preservationist um, uh, direction, right? So the, the Earthrise picture, the blue marble picture the pale blue dot picture, right? Is, is that sort of the tradition you, you're looking to continue ideally? Absolutely. These images,
1: um, you know, I've heard that the Earthrise photo amongst those other images as well, basically helped kickstart the environmental movement. And so while it seems counterintuitive to go up in a rocket ship to space to take a picture of the planet um, in order to get us to to care about this place, the reality is, is it does change people's perspective. Pers- Perspective and perception, and and if I can contribute to that, and I can capture even one image that can help change people's perspective for the better about this place, then my goal in life will be complete.
0: So currently, before you're going, you of course you are looking the other way, uh, or the only way, the only thing you do is look the other way. You can look up at the night sky. Is that, is that something you also do and you look at the night sky, the moon and what's going through your head? Like, how do you look at it? Are you looking, for example, and thinking, is there life out there? Are you thinking like, oh, it's infinite vastness? Do you, are you thinking like, oh, this is, it's 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 all dead. There's nothing there and I'm happy I'm here. Or what, what is going through your mind?
1: Yeah, I spend a lot of time looking up at the night sky. Uh, Here in Iceland, we have the Northern Lights, Mm. and so that really can get your mind going and your imagination moving. And the wonderful thing about the Northern Lights is whether you know what causes them or not, it is equally interesting the science of it is is just as amazing as if you were using your imagination and um so i spend a lot of time you know sometimes i'm looking at the moon and thinking about that place sometimes i'm thinking about other planets that are within our solar system other times i I go on a larger scale and i start to think about our universe and then well if there's you know if we're in a universe is there a multiverse how does that fit in Mm -hmm. You know, where how abundant is life in other places is it is it quite common you know is it something that is very very rare um my own personal perspective is there has to be more life out in the universe it would be mm. totally Insane with how many stars there are and how many planets there are that there's no other life. Um, But of course, then I wonder about, you know, if there was intelligent life that came to Earth, but they did that 100 million years ago, um, we were not around. And if they come 100 million years from now, we will not be around either. Maybe maybe we will. But so it's one of these things where the, the vastness of space and the vastness of time is so big that I do hope we encounter other life within our lifetime um at least you know microbial life or or wildlife let's say alien wildlife that would be incredible um so I just don't know every every day I look up and I wonder my brain goes to to a different different thought and think yeah. about different things different dimensions but what, you, what yeah. you
0: just mentioned that it sort of um it uh, brought up a fascinating potential question in my mind which is like there could be theoretically alien uh, kareems alien photographers photographers out there right and, and by the way they may already be taking pictures and we just don't know right either because we don't have technology to detect it or you know i had a guest previously on this podcast um uh, dr pete Worden, a former NASA administrator and uh, not of the centers and he's currently planning a mission to um to send very uh, small cameras, effectively, to Alpha Centauri. And the plan is there to take pictures on a very rapid flyby. And then I asked him, like, Pete, if aliens did the same thing with Earth, would we even detect? And he was like, probably not. <laughs> so, whatever, anyway, that's like a long-winded way of saying, like, maybe that's already happening. But my question was going to be, it, I know this is hard to sort of put yourself in those shoes, alien shoes, literally. But if you were an, an alien photographer and you came to Earth, like, what do you think is worth taking pictures of? I mean, you're, you're taking them from orbit, right? So you can't go into, like... Great detail, but it could be Mm -hmm. some, I don't know, like natural feature or. I don't know. Yeah,
1: that's a great question. Um I guess it would just depend on what is different from where you come from. The home if world. you come mm. Yeah, exactly. If your home world has, you know, volcanoes and oceans, then maybe that's not that exciting. Maybe the architectural features are interesting. Um you know, I think we do this anyway when we travel. We photograph the things that are are different from our own society and where we're from. Um I guess I I often think about what kind of things do we have on our planet that other planets don't have? And then what kind of things might other planets have that we don't have? We could easily not have northern lights, and we never would have even have Mm -hmm. thought of that or imagined it. Or things like lightning or volcanoes. There's so many incredible, natural phenomena even i think about snow versus rain and Mm -hmm. how you know or waves and how you can get on a surfboard and ride a wave there i i would imagine that on other planets there are so many things that are so strange and foreign to us, I would love to photograph on another planet and and just see what natural phenomena, of course, the wildlife would be incredible to photograph. But then again, we have such strange wildlife on this planet that mm-hmm. is almost alien-like when you think about octopus mm-hmm. or squid yep. or, or bugs, when you really stop and, you know, we... We're so big and so we we encounter bugs in our life and we look at them and we're like, oh, there's a bug. But if you really get up close and look at an insect, how mm. strange it is, there's a reason why we sometimes in, in science fiction and in stories, we basically make the bugs bigger and then yeah. call them
0: aliens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that is, um, I've been looking at many of your photographs. And of course, many of your photographs do feature basically majestic wildlife, which is obviously, that is sort of the obvious thing for all we know that's missing in space. Is Is that something that bothers you? It doesn't matter? Or how do you think about the absence of life in the world of space?
1: It makes sense in the places that we've looked that there's not going to be much life. Mars, for example, without basically no atmosphere, no water, I mean, we say, okay, there's water on Mars, but it's not like running rivers and mm. and mm-hmm. lakes and things like that. And so, you know... It's almost as if we are looking at some of the most hostile, dry places on Earth and wondering why there isn't an abundance of wildlife there. I mean, if we found the equivalent of you know an ocean or a jungle or a rainforest, then maybe it would be abundant. But when we look at you know we have we haven't been able to access those kinds of places yet. So of course it's going to be hard to find life and complex mm. life if there is on places like Mars or Europa. But um, mm. yeah, I hope that we. You know, as technology progresses and we can look outward a little more, I was just watching the movie Avatar last night, which... Mm -hmm. Which really you know, expands the imagination of what um, a fertile world might look like on another planet. And of course, that's all, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's science fiction and, and fantasy. But um yeah, I think I think there's gotta be other life out there and other complex life out there. And mm-hmm. and what does that what does that look like? The variation, mm-hmm. there there can be so much variation because there's so much variation just on our planet.
0: Yeah. And we were, I mean, there's actually a whole other episode um, this podcast with Dr. Graham Lau, an astrobiologist. But, you know, one of the things that he very clearly says, and I would agree with him, is that we may also be too limited in our, because we only know one type of life and we're so used to it. There might be totally different types of lives. And some of the science mm-hmm. fiction uh, has explored that, right? But let's shift gears a little bit and talk about um, the mission. So, you know, after you found out that you were selected, um, what were your thoughts? For example, the excitement. Actually, let's take a step back. The moment you found out you were selected what was that like and i already so i think it was in your short video on the side there was a, sort of a funny story of you jumping in fields in argentina or something like that yeah i was um
1: i, I was on a film shoot where funny enough actually the film shoot it, it was a nature documentary that it will be coming out in a few years and so our schedule was very much based entirely on the tides which mm-hmm. the, you know from the moon so when we were sleeping when we were eating and when we were filming was based on the on the tides, which meant that every day our schedule, mm, our almost. meals, and our sleep mm. was shifting. So yeah. I, I'd never done this before, truly, truly living by the tides. Um, so it seems like a very fitting place then to find out that I had been yeah. selected for this trip. So yeah. I um, I actually came back early uh from the shoot because I had one more, what I thought was a, a, a f- one final you know interview or call and so i was very prepared for okay you know this is maybe you know i'm getting closer this is the this is the last one Mm -hmm. and um so no there was nobody on this farm except for the um the old uh argentinian lady who cooked and cleaned. And um, yeah, when I found out, it was, I was just in this vast, quiet, empty space with nothing around. And I I just went running and running through the fields and jumping around. It, it's such a hard thing to process these emotions because you, before you, you can't get your hopes up too high or else you're going to get crushed because there, there was uh, approximately 1 million applicants and wow. You know, mm. Going each step of the way, you think everybody who has made it this far is so talented and incredibly qualified that I could easily be cut out now and still mm. be very, very satisfied and happy with how far I've got. So I didn't build my hopes up too high because I didn't want to have that. Let down. So then, to actually hear that, the release of energy and feeling is just—it was—it was such a crazy experience. And of course, then I had to keep it a secret.
0: <laughs> yes, I wasn't aware of that. But Brandon, at the last episode, you guys kept it a secret for like a year or so. I yes, mean, of must course. Must have been tough. Tough to some extent, right? Were you allowed to tell your like closest family members? Or? Yes,
1: we we were allowed to tell fa- um, very very close family and and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, people that we could know and trust but it's also it's one of those things where you know there's many secrets you can share with people Mm -hmm. and they're not going to go and tell the world and if they do nobody cares whereas this one there were people friends who I, i good friends i really wanted to tell them but they they were they worked in the space industry, either mm, with satellites yeah. or as um, uh, astronomers, astrophysicists that are quite quite respected in their community. And so I couldn't. These are people who I was most excited to tell, but unable to tell because I thought, you know, if I told them and they told their friends, then it is out in yeah. in the
0: world. Um, yeah. So. And when when MZ, MZ was on that final call and he he told you that um, he was. Offering you to come along, were you prepared to say yes immediately? Like you had kind of thought about it, everything, sort of the responsibilities, the potential risks. You were ready.
1: Yeah, I was. I, I didn't. I didn't. wasn't prepared for that being the moment that I found out. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was completely caught off guard, but I also have thought deeply about the risks of space travel to the limit that I understand how rockets work and how Mm -hmm. space travel works. But, um, you know, there's many things in life that I do and I think about the risks and the dangers and that might even be you know getting in a car and driving on the freeway in Los Angeles is insane (laughs) and every time I'm doing that I think about how I I could just crash and explode into you know fiery death and so that stresses me out but then other times I find myself in the water in the middle of whales that are smashing into each other these are bus sized animals and I'm in the middle of it and they're flying past me and I'm thinking. Okay, I hope they see me, and I have to, you know, try and dodge some fins, uh, or going and photographing active volcanoes, volcanoes and you have lava yeah. spurting out. And so it's about assessing risk to reward. And sometimes I do things that are quite risky, but the reward is high. And other times I, I opt out of things that are not that risky. But the reward Mm -hmm. is so low that it's just not worth it. And so for me, space travel, it's one of those things where the safety and the technology is becoming incredible and Mm -hmm. getting better and better. But of course, it is still strapping yourself into a rocket and flying outside of the planet. Massively dangerous on the scale of, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah, space travel is not not the the world's safest thing. Um, But the reward is so incredible at least for me and the opportunity um both from a personal emotional perspective as well as what i can do to to document that and share that in in my life and career is just the reward is is beyond anything that i can comprehend and so when it comes time to actually you know buckle up and get in i'm sure that i will be nervous um but at the same time it'll be it'll be worth it and i'm very Mm. excited to do
0: that Yeah, that makes sense to me. And actually, the moment, the second after I asked you this question about the risk, actually, now you said it yourself, but it went to my head was like, why am I asking this question? This is a guy who hangs around volcanoes. But (laughs) there you go. Um, Since you found out or since you had the certainty, uh, basically of being a crew member, um, anything specific you have done? I don't know types of research or something like that to prepare yourself um good question
1: since i found out i i I actually haven't delved too deep yet into all of the things that um that are there to learn about space travel maybe part of that is i'm very excited to learn from one of our crew members is tim dodd who runs the youtube channel Mm -hmm, everyday astronaut and he is just such a wealth of knowledge that i'm i'm so excited to hang out with him and learn directly from
0: him oh yeah and... you don't have to b- learn anything i think for example about starship i think he's probably like the world's best working starship encyclopedia <laughs>
1: it's truly amazing how much he knows um so yeah i i've done a lot of dreaming and a lot of imagining and i i am Of course you know reading up a little bit about the moon and about the starship but for the most part it's almost like i i want to learn that directly from tim as we go Mm -hmm. through the process of training that um Mm -hmm. yeah and there's just there's there's so much to it there's so much to think about there's so many facets to explore um that each aspect i learn about becomes is more and more interesting
0: yeah. And I'm sure it's going to be Tim, who's amazing, but probably also a whole bunch of other very qualified people. I'm sure they're going to roll in for the training. So that's like yet another part the I'm going whole... to really envy you guys for. This is it's going to be an amazing, just, just the training is going to be probably an amazing experience. Yeah, learning from the SpaceX team, uh, meeting
1: astronauts and, and people who've experienced this. And and the whole process is so exciting and incredible, even aside from going up into space, getting in the rocket, and, and seeing our Earth and our moon. Just everything around it is is such a unique opportunity as well. I'm I'm very excited about the training.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, were there any? I understand you guys uh, have already given access even uh, until now to some astronauts and so forth. Is there any sort of key remaining, burning questions you have that have not been answered yet?
1: I have so many questions about so many things about the rocket and how it will be about takeoff and you know. but part of the fun is also experiencing it in real time uh, mm-hmm. when I when I travel to other countries I often try and do as little research as possible and mm-hmm. uh, I don't see and figure out where I'm going to go I just, I just like to get there and then experience it while I'm there and um, this might be also what I do in, in this scenario while preparing myself as much as possible in terms of being able to photograph and film to, mm-hmm. to understand those things I, I do find a certain joy in just having it be a a novel experience right in the moment i never watch movie trailers i i don't want to know if i'm gonna watch a movie Mm. i just want to go right into it knowing nothing and um of course you can't do that with space travel you have to you have Mm -hmm. to go through training there's a lot that you should understand um but in terms of you know the actual experiences of what it's like and the emotions i want to have as as raw and unique of an experience as as possible while still being prepared for
0: it mm-hmm. no, that, that does make sense to me so kind of summing it all up and summing it all up in a lot of things we talked about um, and we touched upon a few of aspects already but what do you think would be the ideal outcome for you for, for this mission other than coming back safe and sound of course
1: the ideal outcome for me in this mission would be to document the whole story through photographs and, and video to, to, to show people um, to really capture this trip and um, on the bigger level to to capture an image that will change people's perspective back here on earth um, so that we might do a better job taking care of this planet the people and the nature that we have here that's the the ultimate goal if i can if i can get an image that will help me in my work to be able to shift our perspective to make this place better and to Mm -hmm. preserve and protect this planet and to appreciate it that would be the dream
0: yeah it's 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 funny actually um you, you, you may or may not notice um my usual job other than doing this podcast i actually have a space a space uh, venture capital firm and a long time ago i came up with the motto which is uh, basically it's in latin but it's basically it's like uh to space for earth because i mean that's where we live at the end of the day um, so i very that much agree beautiful. with you there um i think literally it's uh, to the stars for earth it's and i should really remember it but it's in latin i'm not good at latin so there you go yeah um kareem one fun question which i also asked brandon and uh brandon poor guy he got it without any advance warning, (laughs) is about items that you may want to take along on this trip. And the specific things I want to ask you about is um, one book, uh, one item of food and a song. And if you want to sort of add another type of personal item that you think is important, um, you're also free to do that.
1: Even though you gave me advance warning of these questions, it is a very difficult uh, question to answer. I think in terms of a book, um, the first one that popped to mind, and it might come off as a little bit cliché, but uh, I, I would want to bring *The Alchemist* with me. Mm-hmm. Which, um, mm-hmm. if you haven't read it, or for those who haven't read it, mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a beautiful story that can be read for the smallest children who don't even know um, how to read, or as a very old person, and everywhere in between. And you'll get something different out of that book. And it's a, you know, it's a story about a journey and mm-hmm and coming back and i think that that's very much what we're what we're doing um and another book i guess i i would uh, want to bring would be the little prince um mm-hmm. which is which is also one of those stories that can be read at any age in life yeah. and that you'll learn something about yourself and about the world from it um yes and it features volcanoes and it features and space and space yeah yes um in terms of uh a song—it's so hard to think about what what song you would want to listen to. The good thing is, is that the the trip is about a week long, and so mm-hmm. I should be able to bring a, a variety of songs. But I would want to bring music from around the world, different different cultures. You know, mm-hmm. traditional music, traditional Mongolian music, traditional Irish music, um, amongst you know just different cultures to be able to listen and and appreciate the diversity of mm-hmm. of humans and music that we have back on earth and yeah. um, one of the crew members is a uh, musician Steve Aoki Steve and I'm Aoki. sure he will be making I imagine yeah. he will be making some music in space which I hope so we all hope so really yeah. interesting you know to, mm-hmm. to, I don't know how much music has been made in space but um, that's exciting and in terms of food what food would I bring I mean I don't know what we're allowed to bring um, there's...
0: imagine there's no, no restrictions
1: no Any restrictions oh, I mean I love burritos, uh, <laughs> berries also. Fresh food, probably. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. I guess it's if it's just a week, there'll be refrigeration, and so. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, seeing videos of astronauts and the and the food that they they make, I, I'm quite interested to actually eat food that people eat while up in space you know seeing uh seeing an astronaut i watched a video she was making a burrito and um or tacos and you know mm-hmm. had to squeeze it out of the bag and the tortilla could just float around I, i'm very interested to see how that whole process goes about and i know as, as a kid we had um you know in school they would give you they called it astronaut ice cream and it's dehydrated ice cream mm-hmm. i know i don't know whether that's really what astronauts uh, eat <laughs> up in mm-hmm. space or whether that's just to sell it, but um, yeah, I look for. I look forward to all the different aspects of, of how to do everyday things in space, whether that is mm-hmm. you know, eating, exercising, bathing, mm-hmm. brushing your teeth. How, how do you do those things? And I've seen some videos, but it'll be very interesting to to experience it, learn how to do it, and get gain a greater appreciation for the things that we have back here on Earth. Yes, whether that the is
0: creature comforts on Earth, yeah.
1: exactly, and also the natural elements. It's like w- wind yeah and rain mm-hmm. and you know smells like of the smell of trees which uh mm-hmm. we won't get up on the on the starship rocket as far as i'm aware there i don't know if there will be trees on board
0: that's what I would, I would bring a tree with me mm-hmm. wouldn't I let you do that but that would that would be very nice to have sort of um uh, yeah some trees there i mean starship is very big so you, so you never know there might even be enough space yeah for so, a little but Kareem, very Kareem, very 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 interesting answers um yeah i love i Love that you brought up the, the alchemist as well because that is like you said, again I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna give any spoilers right but it's about this 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 ancient concept of um, basically the hero's journey right that you go out somewhere because you're on a mission you, you are literally on a mission to do something but then you realize the whole point is actually to come back and to where you were and use it and use it there which is what you guys are going to be doing and you know it's it's going to be amazing and I know this is a really busy time for you guys so thank you so much for taking the time to coming coming on today and I hope your training is, as I said, going to be really super exciting. And it's going to be an incredible journey starting today. And then I'm probably never ending, right? Because it's such a life-changing event. And then if you ever <laughs> want to come back and talk about it in the future, you're, you're very welcome. But best of luck for now for that journey. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. And that's the wrap for another nominal episode of the Space Business Podcast. Once more, if you enjoyed this, please leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple or Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore space. You can support us at www.patreon.com forward slash space business podcast. Lastly, if you have any feedback, including ideas for guests, and that may include yourself if you have an interesting space story to tell or are interested in being a sponsor, drop us an email at spacebusinesspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. See you for the next episode.